Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. everyone and, and welcome to to a very special edition of stargazing and before we get into tonight's um, actual content i, I want to share a little bit of an organizational announcement as you know we've been doing the stargas stargazing podcast for, for quite some time it's become a you know fixture a staple of our lives through some of the biggest moments of the franchise and you know we're just we're turning a page we're turning a corner we're officially going to rebrand this is just a significant change to our to our you know everything we're going to go from being stargazing to star dash gazing and it's just transformational new generation it's going to be fantastic so you know thank you very much for for riding with us so far and you know enjoy the enjoy the days to come and uh yeah, so so with that, we're gonna kick things off. Join with a very special, uh, very special co-host, Mark Z. How are you? I'm doing great. I've uh, been off the preview beat for a while, and uh, still been watching some hockey. And I'm ready to talk some defense. Yes, we need to talk defense because we thought about talking about the offense, and there's just really uh, not much to discuss. Womp womp, sad trombone. Yeah, exactly. No sense being <laughs> depressing. If we're going to talk about the Dallas Stars, we might as well find the one uh, the one glowing point of optimism out there. It is, and and it, and I think you sold me on this in Slack overnight. It is a very shining um, beacon of hope for the future, and, and really the present as well. Before we get into that, though, I think it would be um, you know remiss if we didn't at least talk a little bit about the state of things. Of course, as we record this um, on Wednesday night, it's it's right off the bat of you know a tough loss against the Florida Panthers, and then an even tougher overtime loss against Nashville, and. Not the start the stars were were expecting to this you know critical stretch of the season. Um, you know, dodged a little bit of a bullet Sunday. Yes, they lost to Florida, but but that same night, all the other principals, Nashville, Chicago, Columbus, um all lost as well. Unfortunately, uh, that worm turned in a bad way last night. Yes, they picked up a point, but Nashville, uh, currently in the fourth and final playoff spot in the Disco, um, picked up a point themselves, extra- extending their winning streak to six. Um, meanwhile, Chicago and Columbus won. Um, you know, these are I call them bonus point games because looking at the performance, right? Anytime you take points off of Tampa Bay and Carolina, it's a bonus. So not only did Dallas lose a point last night, um, they saw three of the teams that are ahead of them in the standings right now pick up two points. So no matter how you slice it, a pretty disastrous start to the week for the Stars. Mark, um, any thoughts, any impressions? What did you see over the past couple of games that really stood out to you? Uh, pain. <laughs> it, it was it, you know, I, I, every every morning afterwards. I go to Natural Stat Trick and I take a look at all of the fancy stats. And and if I hadn't watched the game, I'd think the stars are doing great. And then uh, then I remember that they lost it, and either they lost it in uh, regulation, or 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 they made this great comeback to to uh, only lose in overtime or a shootout. And uh, and there really hasn't been a whole lot of celebrations when you take a look at the number of regulation wins that this team has. Yeah, I think somebody. Uh, it was a credit to to friend of the pod Robert Tiffin pointed out last night Dallas has four wins in their last 19 games in regulation so this is absolutely a team that has struggled mightily not just to to 
get wins, but struggled mightily to get wins in regulation, which in a condensed season with a lot of injuries is just a, it's not, not how you want to draw it up. Uh, absolutely it, not. It's it's not even fun talking to my friends in Detroit. And that's depressing. <laughs> At least they've got a reason for it. The, the interesting thing to me is, is this has put stars fans in something of a predicament um, the way that the season has gone, because we're, we're sort of left with three bad options when it comes to, to thinking about our team. Right. So one of the, one of the bad options is, you know, uh, the team went on an all-time heater during the postseason last year, and the Stanley Cup was maybe the Stanley Cup Finals run was maybe a mirage. Um, and then the second possibility is it wasn't, and now injuries are completely destroying any chance they have to follow up. Um, or the third option is who knows uh, what's going to happen, and do they and do they need to blow it up? And so it's just kind of one of those. It's it's just very difficult to understand. Should we be as fans? Should we be disappointed in how they're performing? Should we be thankful for the crazy chaotic ride of last year? Uh, should we be fearful of the future? Like, what are you feeling right now? I'm I'm actually one of the ones that's in the boat where I'm I'm still somewhat hopeful. And I, I tend not to overreact, but I, I remember the last time that we kind of went through this that? injury. Well, <laughs> well we, we went through an injury bug uh, in the last year of Lindy Ruff, and and the reaction to that set us up for the pain that we're currently in. And, you know, at least with Lindy, it was fun to watch. So uh, I, I tend to look at it and say, yeah, we're, we're injured and uh, we still have a pretty good core, although it's aging. And, uh, you know, but let's not do anything drastic because the last time we did something drastic, it, it put us in a bad place. And, and it's a bad place that we still haven't recovered from. There, there was a nobility, I think, to the end of the Lindy Ruff era because he was going to play that, you know, kind of attacking style. He was going to try and score even as the roster talent that he needed to run that style completely deteriorated. And, you know, even as as guys left and got hurt and, and all that, he was still going to they were they were going to go down swinging. And um, there was something well, inspiring and- about that. And, and that's kind of why I'm hopeful, because I see the, the Dallas Stars right now as sticking to what they need to stick to, which is a, an incredibly good defensive core. Mm-hmm. And if you take a look at the top three, uh, arguably the top four, uh, this is a really talented defensive hockey team. And it's not just on the defensive end that this is a talented team. I mean, two of those four people that we're talking about are John Kligberg and, and, and Miro Haskinen. And you take a look and you have Thomas Harley playing first pair down at Texas. And we have an incredible amount of offensive defender talent. And that's the future. Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> It's been one of the few bright spots, I would say, that, uh, you know, I guess going down the list, the the play of John Klingberg, you know, Jason Robertson, and Joe Pavelski is kind of it. 
as far I mean, I guess maybe you throw throw Heinz in there, hints in there, but the whole starting every other game thing takes a little bit of toll out of it. But yeah, a lot of what's been good about this team, especially projecting forward, has been has been the play along the back line. And I know you've got something coming up. Um, we'll we'll throw a little a little teaser out there. I guess I I guess it may not be a teaser because I don't know the order in which these things will will hit the site, but um as you listen to this, you have something prepped to run tomorrow about the defense. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're writing? Well, a couple different things. Uh, the, one, of the, one of the primary things that got me going here was the pairing of uh, Jamie Alexiak and Miro Haskinen. And, and I think we all really enjoyed that in the playoff run last year. And in looking at what we're doing with that pair. And, and in essence, what uh, what Rick Bonus has turned that into is our de, de facto shutdown pair. And I don't think that makes sense. Uh, and, and for a couple of reasons. One, both Alexiak and Haskinen are likely to jump in to the rush. And so they aren't particularly dependable as, as pure defenders. And, and second of all, they end up playing with the FCC line a lot or, or something that's defensively oriented. And again, that's something that takes away from the creativity, especially of Haskinen. And so we're taking one of our best assets and, and he can still do it, but we're not letting him do what he does best. And, and I think part of that is related to him being play, him playing with Alexiak, who does not, uh, is not the yin to his yang, if you will. That's that's interesting because I think with Alexiak there's there's always this impulse like hockey loves its archetypes right and Jamie Alexiak is very tall and Jamie Alexiak is very large therefore his nickname must be the big rig because if you're over I think six five in the NHL your your nickname is the big rig and in addition yep. to so so I think he sometimes gets painted by this brush of since he is so large and since he is you know since he has been embiggened he clearly must be a you know hyper physical stone-handed kind of traditional shutdown defensive defenseman but when you look at his play that's really not the case is it no he he's just as likely to jump up and in fact i would i would argue that miro is uh, is probably a little more diligent on his defense which means that he will will skate the puck out of the zone and then dump it in because he knows that he needs to be able to to take care of alexiak who's also jumping in and, 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 and do you see I'd that? I'd rather have Miro jumping in than, than Jamie. I was about to ask. Yeah, so so you would see in that situation, one of your concerns is that the way that Alexiak plays, rather than being this kind of small and tall, big and small, um, you know, off rather than the classic like offensive defenseman plus defensive defenseman, you see Alexiak's natural tendencies. Yeah, yeah and combined. We have two with, offensive defenders as our shutdown pair, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I would I would argue maybe that Miro is is everything and oh, can be everything. So it's it's more that by putting a specialist on the ice with Miro, I guess what you're saying is by putting offensive by putting a player that leans forward, you limit Miro's opportunities to get forward, which as as well as he has developed and as as, good, as not glad as the stars are to have him, I think you're right. Dallas would probably rather have Miro pinching and pushing and looking for attacks than than Big Rig if they if they had to choose. Right, and and, and if if I take it a little bit further here, what I kind of recommend in the article is that we really need to take a look at Joel Hanley in that role. 
Um, but even if we don't, uh, Secker, I think, could could easily fill that role. I mean, Hanley has just been so dependable. He does the right thing. He makes the right play. And and uh, if you take a look at the minutes that he's playing, he's kind of turned into the into the number five guy in the depth chart at this point. Uh, the team likes him. They shelter him a bit, but I think he's ready for a bigger role. And I think if he's with with Haskin, and that could be a real successful pa- pairing as long as they don't get beat up. Yeah, that, I guess that would be my only concern there. And, and yes, the NHL has has changed dramatically since um, since the Rock'em Sock'em days. But I kind of, especially looking at a forward core that these days isn't incredibly physical, I would be a little bit concerned that. You know, yes, they're going to be able to skate and pass their way out of a lot of trouble, but it feels like one of the situations where there's going to be the handful of shifts, you know, a couple of times a game potentially where they get hemmed up and, and it was, it was a great description of thing, I think, and it showed a little bit of old school thinking and a little bit of his, of the team's perception of his value about Roman Polak talking about him as a shift ender and how one of the things that the coaches prized about Roman Polak, even though you could have made, you could make plenty of, of analytical claims and, and you could argue that perhaps he wasn't, you know, the option for his place in the lineup. One of the things the coaches would frequently say is all of that may be true, but if you just need to lean on somebody against the wall and end a cycle, Polak can do that. And so yep. I, I do wonder, you see it a little bit with Lindell uh, on the Klingberg pairing, but I, I worry that a Miro, a, a Miro Hanley pairing, who can, who, who's the cycle ender in that yep. group? Yep. And, and, and that is the weakness to the whole thing. And, uh, the thing that kind of gets me going that uh, that maybe this isn't the way that Dallas is going to be playing in the future is by taking a look at what they have on the bench. And Dallas doesn't have any big defenders that are, are lined up to come back into this lineup. If they're going to go big, they're going to have to go to the market to find it. Because if you take a look at the Texas Stars, I mean, they had a big guy there. Guy's name was Dylan, Dylan Hetherington. He's playing in the KHL. They didn't re-sign him. The the only other big guy we have down there who plays left is is probably Rosberg, and and if you take a look on the right side, the guy who's shepherding Harley right now, it's uh, it's Chaconi, hmm. and and both of them are not prototypically huge. So then, I guess as you say that, maybe you're you're burying the lead a little bit. I noticed that as you're talking about the structure of the Stars' defense, you're not including Jamie Alexiak in that, and, and he is notably in need of a new contract this this summer. Do you feel like his time in Dallas is is coming to an end? I I think so. Uh, the the thing that I take a look at is you now Alexiak's looked pretty good, and you you're kind of expect with his age, he's he's what twenty eight. Yes, and uh, and what he's put up as far as numbers that he's likely going to be looking at a, a fairly decent sized contract somewhere in the three and a half million. I, I, I I'm not really good at contract numbers, but it's going to be a big number with term, and I'm not sure that the stars can take that if if they're looking at the cap situation and what they want to spend on defense because they're going to spend a pretty penny on Klingberg and and Haskinen if they want to keep them around. Yeah, I was going to say that that kind of. The, the scary piece of that, right, is, you know, one of the hallmarks of the Jim Nill era has been 
credit where credit is due. He has managed the stars cap phenomenally well. And it feels like every time a big extension needs to get signed, another one rolls off the books. And so of course you've got Radulov, you've got Pavelski um, coming up as sort of the two big ticket items that are coming off and then Hudobin a little bit further out. But in terms of new ones, Mira is going to need a raise. Um, and then the big ones after next season, John Klingberg. So, you know, there is a certain sense of knowing, you know, knowing that you have Lindell locked in, knowing that you're about to fork over a ton of cash for Miro Haskinen. If, if the team decides that that Klingberg needs to stay as well, that may price them out of a three million dollar Jamie Alexiak. Right, exactly. And so you're going to need somebody to, to shepherd Harley through and Harley's going to come up and I wouldn't be surprised if he's with the team next year and, and, and he's playing third pair minutes and he's going to need somebody who's going to, who, who's going to be able to protect him. And, and I, I really don't think that we have a problem with that being uh sucker or, or Pissick or somebody along that way. So we, we can get somebody to do that in the, in the 1.2 to 1.5 million range. Yeah, I mean, at the risk of, and I certainly don't want to denigrate any of the work that Jamie Alexiak has done. You know, is it is it hyperbole or insanity to look at Miro Heiskanen and say you don't necessarily even need a good NHL player; you just need somebody that belongs in the league playing across from him. And as long as you've got somebody that you know, as long as you've got kind of replacement level NHLer playing next to Miro Heiskanen, you'll probably be okay. Well, I think you're definitely be okay. I mean, we saw that with with Roman Polak for quite some time. But I, I would say, ideally, what you have is somebody who's complementary. And, and one of the reasons why why Lindell is making what he makes is that, for the most part, he's complementary to what John Klingberg does. And so we need to find what's complementary to Miro and and replicate that. And, and I again, I come back to that. That's somebody who's dependable, who allows Miro to do what Miro can do. And and that may be Harley or Hanley. It may not. But uh, we have an opportunity to see that. And, and in the meantime, if, if we don't uh, foresee that Alexiak is going to be pivotal for the remainder of the season, uh, we might as well get something uh, out of a short-term rental. Yeah, and I guess that's, that brings to the other point, you, you, you know, and this takes us back to our early conversation about the playoffs. This is not necessarily a conversation strictly about the present, right? This is a stars team that does have some roster questions to answer and has a little bit of soul searching to do about where exactly they sit in their competitive cycle. And, you know, 28 year old Jamie Alexiak might ask a very difficult question of this roster with this, you know, with the cap staying flat and, you know, all of the business side things going on. Um, it's it's not the situation I expected to be paying close attention to, but I think it is a really interesting one. And, and it could be even if even if the stars kind of believe that they're still in the hunt, he still may get flipped because if he's not going to be back and you gamble that, you know, a guy like Hanley can play alongside Miro, then OK, then why do you necessarily have to have to keep Alexiak around when somebody may be you know, enamored with what he brings to the table. Right. Exactly. And, and I mean, if, uh, again, I, I keep myself entertained, not only by watching the Dallas stars, but by watching the Texas stars and, and what, what has been going on down at Cedar park is, is very interesting to watch because what you have is three pairs on defense, 
each of which has a, a really good, at least AHL level puck moving defender. I mean, you have a first pair with uh, with Thomas Harley on it, and he's with Joe Joe Ciccone. Um, mm-hmm. So you have this offensive defensive pair, but but Harley moves up and down the ice great. Second pair is is Rosberg with Ben Gleason, and again Gleason. Gleason's impressed me this year because when when Gleason first made his NHL debut and and then got sent back down, he he was like Klingberg with about ten times the risk. I mean, it, it was somewhat painful and exciting to watch, and he's pared that down quite a bit from from the last couple of years, and he's turned into a really solid puck moving defender. And, and then even there, you have on the third pair, and I hate to bring up the name, but you have Julius Honka. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long Who has a third pair mobile mobile defender? <laughs> that's a name is, I is haven't incredibly heard in quite some good. time. <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, he he hasn't been spectacular uh, at the AHL level, but he uh, he moves the puck. And Texas is exciting to watch because they drive the puck out of their zone from the defensive end. I mean, if you're if you're a defender on the opposite team, you can't hold the point because Texas is coming straight at you. Which honestly is part of the problem. I think the Dallas Stars have experienced this season. They have had at times just a brutal struggle getting the puck out of the offensive zone when you're not looking at you know it's it's basically John Klingberg um, yep. or it's it's you know mirror skating out or it's gummed up. So I can definitely see it's exciting to to think about um, exciting yeah, to think about a little energy. As I, as though I, I wonder what Star's Twitterdom would do in a world in which Julius Honka is actually on the ice for the Dallas Stars in any kind of meaningful role. Well, and, and I don't think I mean he's playing third pair for Texas, but but I think what it demonstrates and and, and what I think is going on here is. The Texas Stars are actually better at at, at Rick Bonus's defenders jumping into the rush part of the game than the Dallas Stars are, and and they're they're the future of what this team wants to do, and and if that's the vision for the organization, and and it starts with Bonus at top, what what uh, what Neil Grant done at uh, at Texas is pretty miraculous i mean they they have a bunch of no names and a bunch of rookies who are just tearing it up do you see him as a candidate for future stars coach i i would love to see it i i certainly would like to see him up with uh with dallas next year uh getting some time with bonus while while he's still on his contract i you know assuming that uh, that bonus is still around um, but I, I think there's a lot of knowledge transfer there. You know, Neil Graham's been very successful at every level that that he's been at. You know, when when he was with the Idaho Steelheads, he did not miss the playoffs in one single year, usually without a whole lot of, uh, of noticeable talent. And he's kind of come into Texas and and not lost a step. So he's an up and comer. That's that's fantastic to think about. And so it, it is it is interesting. I think that this team should and could be much more dynamic. And, and I think we have it, it will be interesting to me as I compose my thoughts here. It will be interesting to me to see the direction they take, because I do feel like this is a, a very transformational moment for 
the Dallas Stars, and specifically because they might elect to sell. Um, you know, a guy like you know, as, as loath as I am to even put the thought into the world, right? John Klingberg has been talked about at least a little bit as as potentially on the trading block. So this back line, except for Miro and and except for Miro at this point, could be entirely different in very short order. Yeah, and, and I mean, the thing that concerns me here. I mean, we we started off kind of talking about Lindell and and, and Klingberg, and you know if. If Klingberg goes, it really makes me worry about the future of this team because that means that what we're doing is is deciding to stay with the past. And if we move the if you know, this whole team has been drafted over the last several years to be smaller, quicker, skilled, and and we we aren't quite there yet at the Dallas level because talent takes a while to mature, but. That's the direction that this team's going, and if all of a sudden we decide that we're going to get rid of the high-end talent just because it's in the, the late 20s, we're, we're choosing to do a rebuild, and it's either a rebuild with, uh, w- without the skill uh, that, that really is already there in the pipeline, or, or we're deciding to take a step back and continue to grind out defensive hockey, which I don't think anybody really wants to see. I, I don't think anybody wants to see it, and I think as this team is proving, it doesn't. It doesn't. Your margins of error are so insanely small playing the system. You're you're in a you put yourself in a position where one mistake can end a game because there's just not enough else going on. Frankly, yeah, yeah. And I think and, the other and, thing I that mean, really even frust- the playoff. Yeah, look at the playoff run last year. I mean, th- this was not just marching to victory. This was some miraculous third third period comebacks. And, you know, Joe Pavelski put the team on his back at certain points. Uh, that there, there, there was skill involved there, but there was a lot of luck involved there, too. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would argue that there w- there's always luck involved, especially in the playoffs. Look at how that works. And, and while there, what the, the, the difference to me about the Dallas Stars in the playoffs was that they they skilled themselves into positions where they were able to get lucky and win, which I think is what like I, I am still firmly of the belief that the playoff run was was a not a mirage and was was well earned and you know it was what this team can do when it's completely healthy. The the thing that that really gets me though about the Klingberg trade talk is if you get rid of John Klingberg you then need to this is this is a team okay so if, if you were going to make a trade to improve the Dallas Stars right you would be looking for creativity you'd be looking for not just not just offense i don't think i don't think this team needs a gunner or a finisher right there are guys that can shoot the puck what you really need is a facilitator yep. and if you get rid of John Klingberg you're getting rid of the one guy on the roster that really does that at an elite level so so then you you're not just it's you you have created a second problem for yourself right you you've already you've you've made your weakness worse yeah you want to trade john klingberg to get a player like john klingberg it's insane unless and then to me the other piece about blowing it up is looking at i mentioned i, I know i mentioned earlier that that jim nil has done a very good job managing the salary cap and he has but even if you were to say it's all a fluke this team is at the end of its road it's time to blow it up the way that the contracts are staggered you can't do that this summer anyways yep 
Yep. They're not and, so. And, <laughs> they're and at even least there, a year yep. away from being able to hit the reset button. Yeah, I, I, with the injuries on the forward core, I mean the the, the loss of of Radulov for so much time, I, I think is just completely. Uh, you know that that's not given enough thought because he up front is is a facilitator. He's an irritant. He he's kind of the 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 little piece that makes this team click. It's it's something that I was talking about a couple a couple weeks ago, just with some with some buddies, and it reminds me of the the very best kind of moments for this Dallas Stars team have happened when they've had a player that can so a lot of the a lot of the talent right Dallas plays within a system plays within a fairly rigid system. The best moments have been when they've had a player that can play out that can create outside of that system. So yeah. I think about the one great season, great season, the one season Hemsky was healthy. He yeah. was sort of that unconventional, you know, uh, as well as the the other example being, and it was just a glimpse, but part of why I think everybody was so very tantalized by Zuccarello, and yeah. I, I the Stars were correct to not resign, and it was far too much term and far too much money, but. Part of why he had such an outsized impact in his, you know, 18 or so games was that he was a guy that could create things outside of the structure. And that's the same thing with Radulov. When this team has played well, when Radulov has been a meaningful contributor, his role has been, you know, there there are guys that can produce from within. His role has been to be the guy that can kind of produce from without. And yep. right now they don't have that guy and it's killing them. Yep. Yep. Because they also, because of the concentration of injuries, it's sort of the inverse of the playoffs. The only guys that are hurt right now are the guys in the top six. And so because the talent situation has has taken the hit that it's taken, they can't afford to play that low event strict system hockey because they don't have the the overall skill level to finish a disproportionately high enough number of those chances to win when they make mistakes. Yep. Exactly right. I mean, and, it's, it's and, last, so night's close games. last night's emblematic of this. How good was Dallas in the first period, and how much did it matter by the end of the night? Yep, yep. And and I mean, there there's something to be said for uh, for missing Ben Bishop as well. Um, one of one of the things I hit on just briefly in the article was uh, was what's going on in the crease uh, with 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 this year's team versus the last couple of years. And it's amazing how much how much we aren't cleaning up right in the high danger zones, right in front of the goaltender. And I, I think that's a lot having to do with rebound control. I mean, it's absolutely been as 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 good as as Ottinger has been. Some of his his rookiness has shown with controlling the puck after it hits him, and, and Hudobin has had a very up and down season in that regard as well. So I think it's. It's a very valid point. It's a it's a big it's one of many um, one of many things that are threatening to to sink the stars this year. <laughs> well, and here we've worked our way to a very depressing uh, close to the to the podcast, huh? <laughs> well, it's it's depressing and it's 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 Schrodinger's close because the the despite it all, the, and I think that's part of the madness that is this season, despite everything that's gone on. Dallas is still very much in the hunt and they're not winning. They're not losing. They're, they're, you know, they, 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 they're treading water. Yeah. And I think somebody pointed out the other day, if they go what 13, 10 and a couple, the rest of the way they've, you know, they, they are absolutely nobody else. I guess Nashville now that they're on a six, uh, I think that's, that's the great illustration, right? Nashville won six in a row and 
kind of pulled away from the pack. So like that's a that's a good run, but it's not an unfathomable one. So it's it's Dallas is as bad as the bads have been. They remain one good stretch of hockey away from, you know, being in the playoffs. I think somebody pointed out if they were even 50-50 in overtime this year, they'd be in a playoff spot instead yep. of the what 2 and 10 that they are. Yep. And in Dallas, you know, if you're talking about having Bishop back and Sagan back and Radulov back, and there, there's this is potentially a different team come playoff time than it is than it is right now. So there's there's hope out there. My hope is uh, is is for the future and a really great mobile defense that can drive a bunch of offense, and and I think that's the future. Um, well, I, I look if, forward if to it. I look forward to reading the piece tomorrow. Yep. And, and the follow-up one. I'm gonna gonna see if I can delve a little deeper into what's going on in Texas. I think I think absolutely we'd appreciate that. One of the the pleasures over the last couple of years of watching the Dallas Stars ever since the affiliate moved into Cedar Park has been seeing. You know, I can still dating myself a little bit, but I still remember Jamie Ben playing in the Calder Cup final, and and I still remember you know the roster now is as the the you know AHL you know, AHL newcomer. So it's, it's been a very great thing to see and I'm looking forward to more of it. And then just, again, thank you for, for joining us and thank you for your insight tonight. All right. It was a pleasure.